0: Hey there, everyone. Welcome to today's episode of the Reading Project Podcast. Happy spring to everyone. I'm excited that we're having some really nice sunny weather here in South Carolina. And I hope wherever you're listening, it's starting to warm up and feel like spring as well, too. Today, I have a special guest interview for you. I have a colleague, Lisa Parnello, coming to chat with me today a little bit more about dyslexia and how we can support and help our children and families as they're going through this journey of learning about dyslexia and how it impacts them. Lisa Parnello is a dyslexia expert with over 15 years of experience, including public school, private schools, and a primary focus on students with learning differences such as dyslexia and dysgraphia. She started her career teaching general education students and discovered her heart was set on helping the children who struggled the most. So she earned her master's of education in special education and has since dedicated her life to helping the most struggling learners. She's a certified Wilson dyslexia therapist and a Wilson credential trainer. Lisa served as the lower school director of Sand Hill School in Palo Alto before expanding Parnello Education Services. So I'm really excited to have her here with us today. And I think it's going to be a great episode with lots of amazing information as we talk a little bit more about tips for listeners on what to do when their kiddo has been diagnosed with dyslexia, how to talk to your friends and family about dyslexia and what to expect as you're working with your kiddo at home. All right, everyone, let's get into it. Let's go. Welcome to The Reading Project Podcast, hosted by yours truly, Ashley D. Mercurial from Your Reading Tutor, LLC. I am a private reading tutor, podcaster, virtual summit host, and business mentor. I'm also a wife and a homeschooling mama to my two kiddos. My mission is to help families, caregivers, and educators build stronger and more confident readers one episode at a time. I want you to know that you don't have to be a teacher to help your struggling reader. Over the last few years, I have helped dozens of families and students, including my own son, move from being reluctant to confident readers, and I'm here to show you that you can too. Thank you so much for being here and listening to the podcast. I'd love to know you're out there, so take a screenshot of the episode you're listening to and share it on Instagram. Tag me at Your Reading Tutor. Okay, let's do it. All right. Hello and welcome, Lisa. Thank you so much for joining us today. Hi there.
1: Thanks for having me. I'm excited to be here.
0: So why don't you tell us a little bit more about your background and your experience in education, sort of your path to today?
1: I've been an educator for over 15 years. I started out in gen ed, and I realized that the extra special kids were actually my favorite. Mm -hmm. So I switched to special education and got a second credential so that I could help the kids who need the most support. And most recently, I was a division director for a school for dyslexia, but as I moved up the ranks, I was working less and less with kids. And so I had my private practice on the side doing one-on-one dyslexia therapy. And last year I switched to doing that full-time because I just missed working with the kids. I went into teaching to teach kids not to be people's manager. So it's so great to work one-on-one with kids with dyslexia and watch them be successful. Yeah. And then I also train teachers to help kids with dyslexia too. So that's the other thing that I'm really passionate about is not just me helping kids, but helping other teachers help kids with dyslexia too.
0: Fantastic. Can you give our listeners some tips on what they should do after they have learned that their child has dyslexia?
1: One of the biggest things is to learn everything you can about it and then share it with your child's teachers because most teaching programs don't actually teach about dyslexia mm-hmm. and they don't actually teach about the methods that really work to help kids with dyslexia. So it's not for the teachers not wanting to. They they just didn't know. No one ever showed them. Mm-hmm. And so one of those things where parents can really be helpful is to advocate for their child's needs and really say, hey, my child has dyslexia, they need really explicit reading instruction. They can't just do leveled readers and predictable books where they guess the words, they need to be shown exactly how do the words work. Mm -hmm. And we also want to make sure we encourage uh, the child as much as you can and to know that they learn differently. And but that doesn't mean they can't learn. And they just have to do it a different way. And that they're still super smart, because most kids with dyslexia are average or above average in intelligence. Mm -hmm. So it's one of those things where they feel dumb. So it's all about helping them feel their power and their strength, because wherever there's a weakness in your brain, there's also an opposite strength. And so a lot of times kids with dyslexia have those opposite strengths, whether it's sports or music or, Mm -hmm. you know, thinking out of the box or things like that. So helping the kid with dyslexia see that they have some awesome strengths too, because sometimes they get lost in all the things they can't do and they don't notice what they can do.
0: Yeah, that's a great tip. Really good advice. I love that. I think... That happens a lot with kids who are struggling with or without dyslexia, kids who are struggling with reading, just really focusing on, because I think because it is so, you know, such a big part of what we do in school. Everything we do, we have to read in some way. So, you know, if they're struggling with reading, then it can affect everything.
1: Yeah. Even the subjects they're good at, like math. If there's a word problem, then suddenly their math is also hard too. Right. Exactly.
0: Yes. So do you have any tips for parents on how to talk to their friends and family, people in their peer circle, you know, about dyslexia and about the dyslexia diagnosis?
1: I think the first thing is it's just important to talk about it because there's such a stigma around dyslexia and people don't realize how prevalent it is. Mm -hmm. So in my everyday life, most people don't talk about their dyslexia. But as soon as I mention what my job is, they're like, oh, I have dyslexia. Or they'll say like, oh, my daughter or my cousin or somebody. Mm -hmm. And so it's Far more prevalent than people realize. It's actually up to one in five, but it happens on a continuum. So some people are just bad spellers, and other people are really, really terrible readers. It happens on a big spectrum, mm-hmm. and so the biggest thing is just to actually start the conversation. And the other thing is to also let it let people know the other things it affects, because each kid is affected differently. Mm-hmm. And so some kids are like, "Yep, I'm dyslexic. You know, that's just the way life is. I'll just learn differently, and it's fine." And other kids are really embarrassed about it. So if the parent can talk to people and let them know where their child stands in that universe, how accepting are they of it yet? Are they, you know, proud of it and being able to share it? Or are they really nervous and don't want to talk about it because we don't want to put kids on the spot if it makes them feel worse about themselves. Right. But then also point out the strengths and let the other people know they're like, yeah, they're struggling with reading, but they're also really awesome at and Mm. making sure that we always pair with that strengths based approach to it. And Mm. then also realizing it affects far more than reading. Dyslexia is a language-based disability. And so sometimes it's, you ask a question, they don't answer you right away. Or sometimes you ask a question, they're like, um, whatchamacallit. So it's a, since it's a language-based disability, oftentimes kids will struggle to find the right words when answering a question. So sometimes giving a structured answer of like, is it this or that? Where then you're giving them the words to use, like, are you hungry or are you thirsty? Instead of, what do you want? because sometimes if you give them a controlled response it's a lot easier for them to answer the question because they know what they want to say in their head it just doesn't always come out their mouth the way they mean for it too mm-hmm. and so that part is really important for other people to know and also it's directions too if you ask a kid to do three different directions at once most of the time kids with dyslexia will mix up the order of them or they won't remember them all mm-hmm. so yeah. stuff like that that explaining that to you know, family or friends and stuff. It's not that they're ignoring you. It's not that they weren't following directions. They, right. their brain just didn't remember them.
0: Right. Yes. That's a great tip. I love the idea of using like the, this or that, even just in like regular communication with my own children. I'm like, oh, that's probably would be helpful with my daughter who sometimes is like, can't, you know, she's got her thoughts all jumbled up and I'm like, okay you know, yes. the drink or the snack. That's a good idea.
1: <laughs> it really uh, helps because then they can communicate better and they don't get so frustrated. They're like, oh, why don't you know what I mean?
0: Yes. Um,
1: yes, exactly. Really helps. So what do you think
0: parents should expect when they're working with their own dyslexic children at home? Like how can they help them at home?
1: I think the biggest thing is if they have a reading task to help them break up the words into pieces, Mm -hmm. because a lot of times they'll look at those big words and get scared of them and then just start guessing. And a lot of times those guesses are not quite accurate. So Mm -hmm. showing them how to break it down into smaller pieces so that they don't get so overwhelmed. And then the really big thing is to use accommodations to make life easier. We live in a fantastic world of technology where there's apps and resources and all sorts of different ways mm-hmm. that you can use. And so if the assignment is to understand the story and do a report on it, then maybe listening to it as an audiobook instead. Because if your point isn't to learn how to read in that moment for mm-hmm. that task, then why make them go through any of that extra effort if they don't need to? And to do speech to text. If the point is to get communicate their ideas across, not to practice their spelling. Than using accommodations in that way. And so remembering like, what is the purpose of the task you're doing? Is it to learn to read? In which case, yes, make them read. But if the purpose is to understand about a new topic and a new concept then just listening to it, there's actually no difference in your brain, whether you listen to it or if you read it yourself, your brain processes it the same way. And in fact, sometimes even better for kids with dyslexia, if they can listen to it.
0: Yeah, I think that's just a great way to think about learning in general, that, you know, really focus on what is the goal of that specific task and then make it work for your kiddo's learning style. You know, if like you said, if the goal is to listen, to understand this story and be able to respond to it, then the focus of that lesson is not to learn how to read. They shouldn't have to do it (laughs) one certain way, right? We can, I think that's one of the things that I feel spoiled by being a homeschooler is that you know, we get to have a lot of choice in the way Michael learns and the way my son and daughter learn. And if it doesn't seem like, okay, the point is to learn this information, but he could do that through some other way than reading this textbook. (laughs) You know, we have that choice. So.
1: Exactly. And in the world of technology, there's so many more resources available now than there was even 10 years ago. And so it's a lovely time to grow up being a dyslexic kid right now. Actually, there's so many tools that you're easy in your hand and, you know, fit in your pocket.
0: (laughs) Yes, exactly. So I'm going to throw in a question that I didn't ask you in advance, so feel free to say you can come back to it. But you mentioned at the beginning when you were introducing yourself that you do dyslexia therapy. And I have a question. I was wondering if, what does dyslexia therapy, like somebody who's listening to our podcast, they might not
1: know what exactly that means, that term dyslexia therapy. How is that different than like tutoring? All right. That is a great question, Ashley. So dyslexia therapy is definitely one of those things that sometimes people don't know what it is. So I'd be happy to explain It is all about teaching the kids how to read in a different way that is a lot more structured. So it's called structured literacy, and it's very explicit phonics instruction on how do words work? How does our language work? It all goes into the morphology, which is, you know, the meaning of words. And so, like, if I know that erupt means to break, uh, then I therefore know more words like interrupt or erupt and all these other things, and I can start to build vocabulary development, too. Because kids with dyslexia often are behind in vocabulary because we learn a lot of our vocabulary through reading. Mm -hmm. Our basic conversations only have about 4,000 words, but most of our genuine, really rich vocabulary comes from books. So if a kid with dyslexia isn't reading any more books, then they're not getting as much vocabulary development a lot of times. Mm -hmm. But then on top of all that, it's also helping the kids understand their dyslexia. So a large part of what I do is also repair some emotional wounds in a way, like I'm not, you know, Mm -hmm. a psychologist kind of therapist, but it is still one of those things to help them see this is caused by your dyslexia. And then they're like, oh, that's why I have trouble with X, Y, Z. It's really about teaching them how to advocate for themselves, teaching them how to say, I have dyslexia, so I need this Mm -hmm. and teaching them how to accept it and how to know how it relates to the rest of their life. Mm -hmm. And how to develop strategies that make school and life a little easier. Mm -hmm. So that's a big part of what I do is really Mm -hmm. helping them go from feeling pretty defeated when I first start working with them to having them super excited to bounce into my office and tell me how their day was.
0: That's awesome. I love seeing that like mindset transformation in students. And it's definitely a big part of what what I do when I'm working one-on-one. The students. is just like building that confidence back up, showing them that they can be a reader. They can learn how to do this. It's going to take time, but we're going to figure it out together kind of thing, you know, all of that. Exactly. It's so important. And it's definitely one of the biggest things I hear from parents as far as like, you know, how was your experience with tutoring? You know, what, what did you think about it? Oh, just the confidence, the confidence that my child got from working with a tutor. So that's You know, that's so important because it spills over into everything.
1: It really does. And then the other really big thing that's different from normal tutoring is I'm not usually helping them with their homework unless it's more of a generalizing skills that I've taught them in another way. Mm-hmm. So a lot of times when people think of a tutor, it's like people giving them homework to do or like working mm-hmm. with them on their homework and that kind of thing versus what I do sometimes has nothing to do with what's happening at school, which mm-hmm. is actually why they come to me because they're not getting that kind of instruction. Yeah. At school. So I guess that's the other really big difference is a lot of times it's not actually doing homework. It's more about remediating all the skills that they didn't already get taught. Yes, yes.
0: I have a student that exactly He's much older. Um. So in his in middle school, you know, he's not receiving structured literacy instruction. He's not receiving phonics instruction anymore, but he still needs that support. Mm-hmm. And so that's what, you know, we're doing stuff that he's not doing in school because he's in middle school now. So
1: yeah, so many schools stop teaching kids to read after about fourth grade. Yep. And they say, well, if you can't read by now, then you're just going to have to use some other strategies. And it's really unfortunate because you can learn to read at any age. You can be 90 and learn how to read. Right. And so it's never too late. And so I think that's one of the other big things that parents need to remember is that it's never too late. It is right. sure last year may have been better, but not bad to start this year instead. Right.
0: So. Right. Yeah. That's a great way to put it. And it it may take some time, but you know, every kid is different. And um, that's why I stopped you know, in the beginning, when I started working with students, I would promote being able to reach a certain grade level or change their, you know, skill level in a certain amount of time. And once I'd been doing it for a little while, I realized that that wasn't, I don't know, just really, I stopped doing it because I didn't, I realized that every kid is different. And then, you know, sometimes it happens that we can close a, a year's gap in, you know, a few months, but most of the time it doesn't happen like that. Yes. So
1: I've had parents ask me, well, how many hours will it take? And I I can't, I can't tell you that because if they're really fast at something, I move on. If it takes them 10 lessons to learn this one skill, then we'll spend 10 lessons on it. And so as long as it takes. And so it's one of those things, Yeah. a set number of magical number of hours that I, you know, fixes the universe. No. And
0: I've had students work with me for as little, you know, like a school year type thing. And then Mm -hmm. I have another student who's going on his fourth year with me. And I think he's just about ready to... (laughs) sail (laughs) off into the sunset. (laughs) So, Well, what are some of your favorite books to share with students and families who might be struggling with this new diagnosis, you know, struggling to understand it, struggling to feel good about it? What are some resources they can... Of
1: course, let's start with some parent ones. So the first one is called The Dyslexic Advantage, and the other one is called Overcoming Dyslexia. And so those two both go into the strengths as well as the challenges of dyslexia and how those two work together because wherever you have a strength you also have a weakness and so I like that both of those books talk about both the strengths and the struggles that come with dyslexia they can be a bit science heavy so I actually enjoyed listening to them I'm mm-hmm. an avid reader I like books but those two because they're a little science heavy I did a little better listening to them on my commute in my car using some audible mm-hmm. um, and because they're non-fiction books you can kind of go out of order if you want to so if there's something really interesting you like especially Especially the overcoming dyslexia one, it's Mm -hmm. easy to skip around to different chapters that really interest you and Mm -hmm. the questions you really feel like you need to know now. And then for kids, I love books with characters with dyslexia, because I feel like it's underutilized in our print books today is that there's not enough examples of kids with learning differences. Mm -hmm. And so one of them that always makes me so happy is Thank You, Mr. Falker by Patricia Polacco Mm -hmm. because patricia Polacco was a famous author and illustrator and she actually has dyslexia so she wrote an entire book about how she didn't learn to read till the fifth grade Mm -hmm. and so it's a picture book but it's a mature picture book Yes. and then the chapter book a fish in a tree is another Mm -hmm. really great one and it's another one where a kid gets into trouble and gets kicked out of class all the time on purpose because she can't read and so she'd rather be the kid getting in trouble than the kid who's dumb and so that since that's how she feels about herself until she finds a teacher who won't kick her out of class anymore and instead learns how to teach kids like her mm-hmm. and so it's really great because it actually it the descriptions of how the girl finally learns to read match what I do with my kids mm-hmm. and so they're like wait that's like what we do and so it's nice to have a character in a book that's experiencing the same dyslexia support as what they're getting yeah so they can really connect to it. And then for the youngsters, for those really young kids who are like, you know, that first, second grader age, mm-hmm. there's two really great mm-hmm. picture books that are a little more kid-friendly for the little guys, which is Tom's Special Talent. And the other one is called, It's Called Dyslexia. That's the actual title. Mm-hmm. It's called Dyslexia. And those ones are great ways to explain dyslexia to kids. So it was Tom's Special Talent, you know, you know, brings out some of those strengths. And then it's called Dyslexia Explains. It's more of an explanatory picture book, but mm-hmm. done in a, a really kid-friendly way.
0: Fantastic. Those are great suggestions. We'll make sure to include links to all of those in the show notes so people can find them. I know I have Overcoming Dyslexia here, and I agree with you. It is like a textbook. And I, same thing, I was like, wow, this is like, it's, a, it's dense, you know, <laughs> it's So, but like you said, you can jump around to the different sections. So that was helpful. Exactly.
1: (laughs) It was funny being a teacher of dyslexia. It actually took me a really long time to get through it. And I thought it'd be something I would like whip through. It it wasn't, it was very helpful. And I learned a ton, but it it wasn't until I switched to an audiobook that I really made gains on that one. And yeah, that's a good advantage. (laughs) Um,
0: All right. Well, thank you so much for everything you've shared with us today. I think we've had some really great tips. And I want to make sure that people can follow you to find out more about what you're doing and if they want to access any of your services or resources, where can people
1: find you? Fantastic, and it's been so great chatting with you today, Ashley. So my website is parnelloeducation.com. And then you can also find my free podcast, Dyslexia Devoted, wherever you listen to podcasts, because obviously if you're listening to this one, <laughs> you enjoy podcasts. Yes. <laughs> so check that one out. And on my website, you can also find online courses that I've made for parents to better understand dyslexia. So that way, parents who are starting to realize their kid has dyslexia, but don't know where to begin, I've got you know, courses that help parents too. So. Oh, that's fantastic. Can you tell us a little bit more about the courses you have available for families? Yeah. One of them is a little mini course called Dyslexia in Schools, which goes over the different options of ways to help kids with dyslexia in schools mm-hmm. and what the different choices are. And then the other one is Discovering Dyslexia. So it's a roadmap to that first year of after a dyslexia diagnosis. Mm-hmm. So how to read the reports, how, what are the accommodations, how do they work, what are some you know, tips and tricks and like positives and negatives to accommodations? because. They're like, yeah, you get accommodations, but they don't realize there's actually some nuances that make it a little tricky Yeah, and different ways to get support too. So that way it's a nice little roadmap for parents who don't even know where to begin because the phrase I hear a lot is it's a lot to process. And so that's what I like to try to help parents with is to understand the going from it's a lot to process to, okay, I get this. I know where to start now. Mm -hmm.
0: That's fantastic. Thank you so much.
1: I really appreciate you joining us
0: today, taking some time out of your busy schedule to share all of this with our listeners. Thank you so much
1: and have a great rest of your day.
0: All right, everyone. I hope you enjoyed the interview with Lisa today. I think she gave us a lot of great tips. I love how she touched on some of the things that you can do at home and with your kiddo if you have just gotten a dyslexia diagnosis, especially to learn yourself about the diagnosis and then share with others. Like, let's try and move beyond that stigma around the dyslexia diagnosis by starting the conversation and talking about it more more openly. So learning, sharing with family and teachers, and also respecting your child's wishes and, and getting to know where they're at. With their feelings and their understanding of their dyslexia diagnosis. Lisa gave us some great books to check out as books that we can read if you're a teacher listening, or if you have a child with dyslexia, or if you are wanting to give your child a book to read. I'm looking forward to reading A Fish in a Tree. I've heard about that one a few times. I feel like there might even be a movie about it, and I still haven't uh, read it yet. So I'm going to put that on my list for sure. Lisa has agreed to give the Reading Project podcast listeners 10% off her courses that she mentioned at the end of this episode. So we'll make sure to put that coupon code and the links down in the show notes if you are someone who has a new dyslexia diagnosis and you want to go check out one of her accommodations. All right, everyone. Until next time, keep reading thank you all so much for listening it truly means the world to me if you love this podcast and have found it helpful and you want to help us reach more families you could do one of two things or both just take a screenshot and text your three best friends or teacher friends encouraging them to check out the podcast or take a moment and head on over to itunes and leave us a five-star review i love reading the reviews and hearing what you're enjoying about the show and how the show is helping you at home And I'd love to be able to give you a shout out on the show and share your review with everyone. So thanks again. Until next time, keep reading.